Um, the greatest need man has is for peace. That was the sentence that was in my study Bible. That sentence practically jumped off the page as I was reading. The greatest need man has is for peace. I see people every day searching for peace. I myself search often for peace. I take that back. I, I don't necessarily search for peace. I try to manufacture peace. I try to maneuver the world around me, the circumstances that surround me. I try to move them into a peaceful state. It is as if life is viewed as a giant puzzle. And if I can move this piece here into place and and if I can find this missing piece over here, and, and if I can assemble it just right and care for it, peace will appear. Friends, I have been moving pieces for 47 years. I have been working on this piece puzzle of mine for my entire life, yet the only piece that I have are my unfinished puzzle pieces as life continues to change and challenge me. The greatest need man has is for peace. When I read that sentence in my study Bible, I was sitting at my desk in my office, and I had literally just lifted my head from my hand. I had been sitting there moments prior reading and and trying to write my message and praying for God's direction. And I was getting nowhere fast. So in my mind's eye, I was taking a moment and I was laying all of life's pieces at the throne of God, at the foot of the cross, because I was tired. In that moment, I was tired of the paperwork that needs to be completed for five churches for charge conference. I was tired of the anxiety that had carried me for two weeks as I waited for a phone call that did not come, an email that never was received. I was tired from having been physically sick earlier in the week. I was tired of the demands of striving for balance in the life of a mother, daughter, wife, friend, sister, pastor. And on that day, as I sat there to write, the sky seemed to literally be falling. And I say literally because I had spent the morning on the phone with the folks from Republic because the sanctuary ceiling had just fallen down. The ceiling fell, surely. It fell, literally, on the ground. And you might think, okay, well, that's frustrating. Just get it fixed. And, and we will. We are. But what you don't fully understand is that the folks from Republic had just spent months preparing the church to host a meeting with the district superintendent. We never get to host things. We're the little engine that could. We finally got our chance to host the district super, the new, brand new district superintendent and people from other churches, and they had redone the restrooms 
They had put in new fixtures, new paint, new curtains. They had cleaned and polished and waxed every single corner of that church. Every weed was pulled. Every window sparkled. And then the ceiling fell. Literally just crashed to the floor. And with that crash, my, my piece puzzle broke. Yeah, it broke. And I sat in my office and I looked around at my desk at the text message that had the picture of the broken ceiling tiles scattered on the floor of the sparkling sanctuary. And I looked at the stacks of files filled with charge conference paperwork that wasn't done yet. And I looked at my worship planner that was full of my plans. And I looked at the phone that wasn't ringing and the email that was open that was not showing the email the text I was waiting for, and I opened my study Bible, and it said, the greatest need man has is for peace. And I turned back to the living word of God, and I began to read these words from James that we were set to study today. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? We crave peace, peace in our souls, peace in our minds, peace in our homes, peace in our lives. And you may say, well, Pastor, that's you. That's not me. I don't crave peace like that. I, I have peace. I'm not anxious or overwhelmed like you're talking about. And I say, I don't think it's as simple as that. Do you like to be in control Control offers us peace because we know what to expect. We know what the expectations are because we set them and we dictate them and we delegate them. We're in charge. Do you like to be in, in the know? Do you like to be the one who knows something about everything that everyone comes to? Well, go ask her or go ask him because he'll know. Knowledge gives us peace. Because we're on the inside track. We, we know the details of things. Nothing will surprise us because we know how it's all going to work. Do you like to have the latest thing? The nicest house or the fastest car? Do you collect all the newest gadgets? Oftentimes we crave new things because we think it will meet a need within us. But that kind of peace is fleeting. Because there's always a new thing, a better thing, a bigger thing, a faster car, a nicer house. Do you like to be physically strong and able? Strength gives us peace because we feel safe from physical harm. Nothing can hurt us. Do you like to be independent? Independence gives us peace because we're not dependent on another. We can take care of ourselves. There's no danger of being let down because I don't, I'm not depending on you to do anything for me. I'll, I'll do it myself. I got this. Do you like to be the peacekeeper? And you might say, well, all right, pastor, being a peacekeeper is good. You can't tell me that's not good. Well, being a peacekeeper is good. But will you do anything to keep the peace? 
Will you do anything to avoid conflict, even if it means not standing up for yourself or for someone who needs a voice? If you will sacrifice anything to keep the peace because you can't handle conflict, is it really peace that's being kept? Our search for peace can often present itself in our need to control, to have, to know, to own, to be strong, to be independent, to be willing to sacrifice all to keep the peace around us, even if it means hurting ourselves. So you don't have to be anxious, like me, to be searching for peace. You can be someone that the world sees as having it all and still be conflicted. We see it all the time in our world. The person that everyone looks up to, the person that everyone wants to be, admits to barely holding it together. True lack of peace then leads to harm, addiction, bad decisions, loss of self-worth and identity. James, in the word today, speaks to what causes this lack of peace. And these feelings of conflict that we have within ourselves and the conflict that spills over into our relationships with others. James speaks to the cravings that are at war within us. We we want things. We want all kinds of things, including peace and hope and joy. We want to be seen. We want to be acknowledged. We want to be understood. We want to be valued. We covet these things and we will fight to to take what we think brings us peace. We'll fight over control. This may not feel real to you that you say, oh, pastor, You know, James is talking about murder. Well, how many relationships have you seen slain? How many relationships have you seen murdered because of our own decisions, because of our own cravings? We want what someone else has. We believe that if we have what they have, then we'll be happy. Oh, if people like me, like they like her, then I'll feel okay, I'll be happy. Or if I was the boss instead of that, Joker, that guy doesn't even know how to run a company. But if I was the boss, then I'd be happy because I could run the show and I'd do it right. Or if I was married to them, then, then life would be amazing because we would be so happy together. Not, not married to this, this guy. Just kidding, honey. If I had that job, if I lived in that house, if I drove that car, if I had this much money, if I held that position on the board, if I was that person's friend, then I would be happy. Then I would have peace and joy and happiness. I would have what I need. My social media account had this many followers, or if I got 100 likes on this post, then I would feel like somebody knew me and saw me and and noticed me. If I won that sports championship or that title, then people would think I'm a winner. If only I was the star of that show, then I wouldn't feel invisible and I could have peace. We covet things, all kinds of things. 
Sometimes physical things, sometimes relationships and friendships, sometimes status, sometimes attention. And we believe that our peace and our joy comes from the outside in. And James says, that's what's messing you up. It's that belief, our relationship with the world and what we believe the world can do for us that messes us up. James says so in verse 4. He says, do you not know? That friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy with God. And you might say, oh, pastor, enemy with God, really? I'm not an enemy with God just, just because I want a nice house and a, and a fast car and a cute wife. Just because I want that job. But see, when we value the things and the people and the relationships of this world over our relationship with God, then we become an enemy of God. We become separated from God because we're looking for something else as our source of peace. See, if I'm looking at organization and calm as my source of peace, I'm never going to have peace. God gives us peace in the midst of all that drives us crazy. And if I believe that that God is my creator, my father, my brother, my savior, my friend, my companion, my everything, my beginning, my end, why would I want to be an enemy with God? Why would I look anywhere else for all that God can give me? And we say, well, I don't want to be an enemy with God. Then why do we turn from God and look for fulfillment and satisfaction everywhere around us? And why do we try to manufacture peace and satisfaction and we work for it and strive for it and we murder for it when it's already been given? Jesus said, my peace I leave you. My peace not that which the world can offer. We say we want to be friends with God and then we live like enemies. And we end up sitting at our desks with our stomach in a knot and our head in our hands, upset because the ceiling has fallen and the call has not come and the work is not done and things are generally falling apart. And I've said many times that when you're reading scripture and you see the words, but God, something's about to happen. But God, God is about to show up. And in verse 6, James writes, after he just said, you know, if you look to the world, you're going to be an enemy of God, Christian, get your life together. And then verse 6 says, but God... But God gives all the more grace. Hallelujah. God sees us sitting at our desks or wherever your come apart moment happens. God sees you and God will give you grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. James, as always, lays it out clearly for us in verses 7 through 10. Essentially, James tells us to give, just give it up. Give it up. Give up the idea that you can maneuver and manipulate this life, peace, 
puzzle and get it together and protect, just give it up. Humble yourself. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, he writes. Every time you feel the need to maneuver something, every time you feel the need to control, to know, to be responsible for, to physically overwhelm, every time you feel like it's your job to manage this life or to keep the peace, submit yourself. I give up. I surrender. Drop your ego. Drop your head and say, Lord, I don't, I don't have this. I can't be the boss of this. I can't maneuver, maneuver or control this. I don't have the words to manipulate this situation. I can't fix this. I can't bring peace here. I don't have this. And God will say, that's okay. I can because I am. James says to resist the devil, the enemy will manipulate you into thinking that you've got this. You know, we, we like to think of the enemy as lurking around and saying mean things to us and breaking us down. Sometimes the enemy does the opposite. Sometimes the enemy pumps up our ego. Oh, you've got this. You can handle this. You can be a winner. You just have to take them out. You can be the one that they like. The enemy has no real power over you. So when James says resist the devil, the only power the enemy has is what we allow. Jesus has defeated evil and evil will run. Let your peace come in the form of a humble prayer of submission. As I sat with my head in my hands because of course the ceiling's falling, why not? Why not? I said, I don't know what you want me to do here, Lord. I can't fix the ceiling in two days. We can't even get anyone to come until next week to look at it. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do about church? What are we supposed to do about these meetings? I have two services there on Sunday. What do I do? Cancel them? No. I don't got this. The word says, if you draw near to God, then God will draw near to you. Friends, we don't have this life. We can't. And that day, I found my humble prayer very easy to say. On the day that my desk was covered with unfinished business and my spirit was overwhelmed and disappointed because of everything I couldn't do, even though I tried to manifest it and think positive and be prayerful and, you know, Ask, believe, and receive. I, you know, I thought I had it all figured out. Those words came easily, those humble words of I don't have this. We need to remember to pray. It's easy to pray when we have our head in our hands. It's a little harder to pray when we've puffed out our chests. We need to pray on the days when we feel like we've got this, that we're the boss. We're in control. The days the ceiling hasn't fallen, the work is complete because we did it. On the days when we feel in charge, in demand, the days when we're the ones that people want to be friends with, we're the ones that people want to follow, we need to remember to humble ourselves those days and pray that humble prayer because trust me when I tell you, on our best days, when we're shined up and polished, 
We are a couple broken ceiling tiles away from remembering that we don't got this. Church happened this morning at Republic. The meetings happened. I prayed. I humbled myself. On Thursday, we came up with a plan B. And just to make sure that I didn't attach my peace to us feeling like we had figured it out, when I pulled up to the church yesterday morning to open the church up to our plan B, we had pivoted and moved the meeting location. There were semi-trucks parked in front of the church, and they had the whole front of the church roped off. They forgot to call and tell us they were going to install our new steps. And I said, really, Lord? I already said I don't got this. But I had peace. We laughed. And as we stood in the rain and directed people how to park in the grass, and I looked around to see if there were locusts or frogs, because, I mean, what's left? I laughed. And God is good, and Jesus is still king, and I still don't got this. And he still does. Amen? Amen. Church, let's...